Welcome back to the Describe Your World podcast. Today, I have a very special guest. This is my sister-in-law, Jackie. Um, first time on the podcast, which is really exciting. So we've have a, we have a lot to kind of go over and talk about, um, mainly your story and your experiences. So um, we'll see how that goes. I'm sure I'll learn some new things. Uh, so how are you feeling, Jackie? Overall, I'm doing I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Not bad. I'm ready to record. I'm I'm in that headspace. So um, looking forward to whatever new things there are to learn. Normally, what I like to do, I'm sure you've heard a couple of episodes, but I'll turn it over to you and kind of let you talk about early life first. So if you want to just start out childhood, parent stuff, education, whatever you feel is relevant. Okay. Um, well, if anyone's paid attention, like prior episodes, you got a little bit of that from my sister, <laughs> um, which our experiences are somewhat different because I'm seven years older. Um, but I guess the short version is like... Um, let's see, I was born in Ohio and then my, my parents got married when I was four, I want to say, and then we moved up to, to Michigan. Um, so I was an only child for seven years. So Catherine came around, but, um, anyway, um, we moved to Michigan. Um, we started going to church when I was like, I don't know, maybe eight or so, maybe even nine. I don't know. Um, I I feel like I have a really different story than Catherine, but my childhood wasn't that interesting other than we were, like, super sheltered. I kid you not. There's so many things I was so sheltered about, but um, that's okay. Um, So I ended up, well, my parents got divorced when I turned 18. Well, before I turned, no, I was already 18. I couldn't remember. Um, so I moved out like shortly after, so unfortunately kind of left Catherine behind, but, um, yeah, so that's, that's the short version of it for a little bit. What do you think about, um, I know you said you were, you know, three or four when your parents got married and then your experience being very different, but you also said your childhood was fairly uneventful. Yeah. So, um, when you say your childhood was fairly normal, what do you mean? Is it just your standard American dream childhood? <laughs> no. Okay. Let, let me expand on that a little bit. So um, my parents should have never been together. They were, they had a very toxic relationship. They constantly like fought and argued. So when they finally told me, Hey, we're getting divorced. I was like, finally, like, <laughs> geez, you guys. I think in their minds, they were doing the thing like, oh, it's better to stay together for the kids. Um, But just for anyone that needs to hear it, it's not. It's really not. It's so much better to co-parent or at least try to co-parent like separately and be the best versions of yourselves. If you can, speaking as a divorcee myself, like it's better. (laughs) So that part was, I mean, I mean, kids, parents fight, but it was. Yeah, it wasn't a healthy relationship. So what was, I guess, how did that affect uh, your development as a child? What was it like to kind of live in that environment where the two were not blending very well? Um, I would honestly say the first thing that like threw me for a loop was like my parents slept in separate bedrooms and I didn't know that was weird. (laughs) Like um, me and Catherine's friend, Bethany, she came over. Bethany used to come over all the time. She's like my childhood friend. Um you know, and she came over to stay the night and she's like, your parents sleep in separate rooms? Like, why? And I was like, does everyone's parents do that? Like, um, 
So that was kind of interesting as far as like the development part, like my dad traveled a lot for work. So he would be gone for like several days or like a week at a time or something. So my mom did a lot of like the parenting while he was gone. Um, you know, so I kind of learned, um, I guess, you know, if I needed something or whatever, like I typically had to go to her because he was, he might be gone at the time or something. I don't know if that made any sense, but. Of course, everything makes sense. There are no wrong answers. <laughs> um, so I'm curious as a mother yourself, obviously you have kids <laughs> and uh, you're married. So what, what do you model yourself after if, if it was such a tumultuous and your dad wasn't around as much? So um, do you take kind of everything after your mom or are you sort of correcting some of the mistakes you picked up? Oh man. So my, my, this just for disclosure for anyone that doesn't know, this is my second marriage. I just got married last July. Um, so I remember when Chris was my, my current husband, when we were going through like our marriage counseling through our church, um, one of the questions like in the workbook we had to do was like, what do you want to do to like mirror your parents' relationship or something to that extent? And I was like, absolutely nothing, (laughs) (laughs) nothing at all. So, um, I kind of, from that aspect, I kind of learned what not to do. Um, and I also had like my first marriage to kind of look at as well, because it was, it was honestly really similar. Like we just fought like no disrespect to my ex-husband at all. We get along great now, but, um, it was also a toxic relationship. Like we just weren't good together, but now we're like, you know, we've been co-parenting Emmett and Grace, um, our son and daughter for, geez, like five years now, which is crazy to think about. And like, we are, we are such, we are so, we are so good at like co-parenting separately, but if we were together, it's a whole different story. So it's, it's kind of funky, but, um, anyway, to kind of circle back with like me and Chris, like his parents do have a really good relationship. So at least he has that to like look back on. Um, and I don't know, I want to be a good model for Emmett and Grace. And like, if, if God blesses us with any more living children, I want to be a good example for them. Um, like me and Chris, we don't fight. We still haven't had like a fight. We might disagree on some things, but like, it's not a big deal. So I think it's important to find someone that you can truly like, you can get along with. And even if you don't agree, like you can, you can disagree, but not without it, like blowing up in your face. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I'm um, curious too. Um, we can circle back. So I do want to spend some time about with your relationship and kind of some of the differences you have, but um, I'm also curious what shift did you notice whenever Catherine came into the picture? So you went from being an only child, an only child to having a little sister and the age gap. I mean, I understand the age gap is fairly normal for a lot of people, but still seven years is as a lot. So obviously there were changes. So what do you, how do you feel about that? Um, honestly, I think like one of the things that's even followed me to adulthood, like I was so used to like getting what I wanted because I was an only child, you know, and it was all about me. And then, you know, Catherine was born and I had to learn to share and like, you know, the focus wasn't on me. And like, to be a hundred percent honest, like sharing is still something I struggle with, like as an adult, like, so, um, to any like parents with like single, like children out there, like, please teach your kids to share because. <laughs> <laughs> I think it easier like as an adult, but, um, um, 
so yeah, I was seven when she was born. So it was a big adjustment. I mean, it was a, all of a big adjustment because we had like just moved to Michigan. Um, and I started, I transferred schools in second grade, I think. And she was born between like the summer of kindergarten to first grade for me. Um, and then like, as she got older, you know, I thought I was too cool for her, you know? So like anytime Bethany came over or anyone else came over, I would be like, Oh, Catherine, like stop following me around. Like, cause she's just doing the typical like little sister thing. Like she just wants to see what we're doing. And I see that with Emmett and Grace right now. And I'm just like, Oh, you're the worst. Like get out of here, which thankfully it's not like that anymore. We get along really well now, but I hope that answered your question. Yeah, a little bit. I'm, and I'm kind of coming from the perspective of being an only child myself. You know, I have a half sister, but she's the age difference is so significant that I don't even feel like we're related at all because yeah. um, I don't have a relationship with her. So that it's very interesting. And I think if another child had come into the picture seven to 10 years after I was born, it would have just been it would almost feel like a foreign object, like you're you're sort of still in your own in your own lane. And now there's this other thing. Whereas if another child were to come in two years difference, I would feel very like a companion, like uh, bond with right. them. Um, was it difficult, you know, being in the midst of that divorce with your parents, having to take on some of the responsibility of looking after your sister? Um, I would honestly probably say no, because, <clears throat> excuse me, like I said, I was 18 by the time they were getting divorced. So there was no custody to custody battle over me. I was a legal adult. Um, <clears throat> and uh, as Catherine has described, my mom is a interesting person. I, <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't get along with her that well, which is a reason I was moving out. And, you know, my dad um, moved. I, I think when he first moved out, he moved to an apartment not too far away. But um, I just... Yeah, I was like, I'm 18 now. I'm going to be an adult and go do adult things, you know. So, and me and Catherine, like, our relationship was better, but not even, it wasn't close to where it got to once, you know, we were both truly adults. Right. It's almost like you kind of rediscovered, you kind of built a friendship out of, you know, what was a very confusing um, sibling relationship. Uh, which is very nice because now you have a deeper and more connected relationship. Um, I am curious about uh, some of your awkward phases and experiences as a teenager. I've, I've heard things. I've heard <laughs> about some of the music choices and stylistic choices. Um, all right. Yeah, let's, let's hit it. Okay. So for anyone that knows me, I was literally obsessed with a band called Jump Five. So... They're a Christian, like, pop group, if you will. Um, and don't get me wrong, like, Jump 5, if you're listening, I still love you guys. You're still <laughs> <laughs> So they will forever, like, hold a special place in my heart. Or, like, anyone who knew me doing during my formative, like, teenage years, anytime, like, they might hear of Jump 5 or something, like, Jackie. So, um, yeah, I had, like, a whole wall of them in my bedroom I like printed off pictures that I randomly found online I had a signed poster and stuff um I ended up making it to three of their concerts and I met them one time thanks to Catherine Catherine run won a uh jump roping contest so we got to meet them um which is so cool um 
<laughs> so that yeah i i was definitely like a i wouldn't say like your typical awkward teenager i was very immature i, I will say that about myself i was definitely very immature um fashion choices you know those choker necklaces that have like made a comeback I would have kept mine. I had one I wore for like, I kid you not, years till it broke and it had an ichthus on it, the Jesus fish. Um, I, I, I probably had it from like 12 to like 14 or so. I don't know. Um, other fashion choices. I don't, nothing like super sticks out in my brain for that, but I was definitely unique <laughs> for lack of a... It might be a different time period entirely, but when did the uh, colorful hair come in? Oh, that was much later, much later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, I when I, I went to college and I graduated from an interpretive training program, um, and we couldn't have unnatural colored hair. So I, I have been dyeing my hair since I was 16, but I didn't start dyeing it, like, unnatural, bold colors, if you will, until probably probably right after I graduated college. So maybe 2018, 19, something like that. No going back now. Yeah. It's, it's kind of uh it's interesting how times have changed. I know that a lot of important like professional STEM roles and other professional <laughs> roles uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, um, weren't very kind to things like tattoos and, and the hair color. And I even remember in private school, uh, one of my friends who was in high school with me, um, she came in on the first day of school with like platinum blonde with like black streaks on the tips. And they sent her home first day, told her she couldn't come back until she dyed her whole head like brown. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, maybe that's more of a private school thing, but I, it is kind of interesting how things have changed. And now, you know, people are a lot more welcoming with the different looks and people's stylistic choices. It is kind of crazy because um, I currently work in corporate America and look at, I have like hot pink hair. I've got a, a nose ring, a septum ring, and I, I have a tattoo on my arm too, but you can't really tell. <laughs> like they don't care. It's so yeah. crazy, but it's, it's, it's amazing to me. I'm so thankful because like for me, like dyeing my hair, it sounds stupid to most people probably, but it's like a true expression for me. Like I, I get my hair dyed once a month and it's like my favorite thing. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering, too, because um, understandably, Jump 5, as much as we are appreciative of their stamp that they left with you, like you have other outlets like hair color and ways to express yourself. Um, so where does your your sense of expression come from? Like, what are you trying to communicate to people? That I just I don't care if you like it or not. I'm going to do it. <laughs> like, You're unapologetically. Yeah, um, like. I, I honestly get bored with my hair, like being the same color for a while, which is why I dye it so frequently. And I naturally have dark brown hair like Catherine. So you can see my roots really easily when they start to grow in. But, you know, and like I have facial piercing. So it's just my dad is very open about the fact he, does, he doesn't like body piercings or anything, which is fine. That's his thing. But I'm just like, OK, you don't have to like it, dad. Like that's that's my choice so it's definitely just uh it's for me and no one else type thing um i want to 
kind of move back a little bit because I'm I do want to have some time to talk about your relationships. So um, I don't know if you want to kind of start with your first marriage or if you want to say anything else about other relationships, too. But I'm curious kind of uh, what your understanding of love is and sort of how those things came together. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so my ex-husband's name is Eric. Um, We got married when we were 20 years old. (laughs) Um, So honestly, the whole thing was kind of crazy. Everyone told me it was back then also, but like I was 20, I wasn't going to listen to anyone, you know. Um, So we met on St. Patrick's Day in 2010, and we got married by August of that same year. So we met and got married within a five month span, which is literally insane. 10 out of 10 do not advise for anyone. Because um, <laughs> we just, we didn't have enough time to like truly get to know one another. And he was active duty in the army when we met. So we didn't physically get to spend like that much time together in person because he was up here on leave when we met. By up here, I mean Michigan. And um, he then had to go back down to Texas. Um, so it was, we we were kind of doomed from the start for a lot of different reasons. So like, I, I am a Christian, like I believe Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins. And that's how we get into heaven. Eric is an atheist. Um, so for anyone, you know, that's familiar, like with the Bible or like how it kind of feels about relationships, like you're not supposed to be unequally yoked, so to speak. So meaning Eric doesn't even believe in God. And here I am. And it's like, I love Jesus, you know? So it was granted that I was not at a very strong point in my faith at that point in my life. Like I hadn't turned away, but it wasn't a main focus for me, um, which definitely played a factor. But then I am a full believer that no one should get married before the age 25 (laughs) because your brain's not fully formed until you're 25. So like, it was just the whole, like we were so young and we just didn't know each other very well. So again, no disrespect to him, but we, we just weren't good together from, (laughs) from the start. Um, we like when we got married in August, I ended up moving down to Texas in September. So like a month after we got married and we were like fighting right from the get go. So it was, it was not, it was not a healthy relationship by any means. So I, one thing that's kind of interesting about me is I've had those experiences where parents or friends or coworkers will say, you know, that it's probably not a good match or here are the reasons why you shouldn't be with this person. One particular instance, um, I was working at a college in computer services and I was dating someone. Um, and one of my, uh, one of my colleagues from the college was like, you know, what do you like about her? And I really couldn't answer. I was like, I'm not sure. You know, I don't know if I like very much about her. Uh, so kind of those kind of things. Um, and so how did you respond to that kind of harsh uh, criticism of the person you were in love with? Um, so I was definitely, this was a very like rebellious point in my life. <laughs> so I was definitely like, I don't care what anyone thinks, you know, like we love each other. Like it'll be fine. Um, pretty, pretty much every single person in my life was like, Jackie, you are literally insane. Like this is a stupid idea. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was just, you, you know, when you're young and, and to be completely honest, like I hadn't had a serious relationship prior to Eric. So 
I also didn't know any better. And like the, the example I had of my parents, it was normal to fight all the time. So like, I didn't know any better. I didn't know there was such a thing as a healthy relationship where you guys just didn't argue every day. Like 100%. I didn't know that was a thing. So I think that played a factor as well. And there are a lot of people too, who will, you know, if they're spiritual or religious, they'll marry someone and sort of ignore the the partner's view on religion or if they're atheist or agnostic. And a lot of times it doesn't cause such a huge rift. But I do think that fundamentally it is really challenging to be with someone who has a fundamentally different belief about God or religion. Um, so how was that experience and how did that kind of wedge between the two of you? Well, I very distinctly remember um christmas eve that year in 2010 like i found a church down there that i wanted to go see um the christmas eve service and like we only had um one working vehicle at the time so like eric drove me there to go to the service and i was like aren't you gonna come in with me and he's like no and i was so upset like i just expected him to and he's like i'm not setting foot in a church so that was like our first like really big fight about that um and then, like, later on when we had Emmett, um, our firstborn, like, it was it was always a struggle because, like, I wanted to take Emmett to church and I wanted him. And I was going to church, like, without Eric prior to having Emmett. Um, so that was always a fight. He's like, I don't want him being brainwashed and all this stuff. And, but I'm like, this is important to me. Um, so that, that was always a, a source of tension as well. Yeah, I think I think that it's very true for people who are listening. And this is from personal experience as well as as you're saying that, you know, if someone you're in a relationship with, number one, doesn't believe fundamentally the same thing. You know, maybe there's a point at which you can overlook it. But the, all of the other ways that that impacts the relationship, like raising children or um, schedules and activities or just like prayer, things that you do on the on daily basis, it's a pretty big impact and it really does make it difficult to kind of blend and build a family with someone like that. Um, and no disrespect to people who don't believe, obviously I don't, I don't hate anyone who's a non-believer. Um, it's just a personal, it's a lifestyle choice and a preference and it's my faith and my religion. But, um, I think that relationships that aren't sort of built on the same core values are, are sort of destined to fall apart at some point. Yeah, definitely. So you, how you were married, how long with, Eric? um, so we were together seven, seven years before we called it quits. And what, what are some of the things that you, I mean, obviously, and again, I'll reiterate that we're not taking a shot at Eric yeah. in any way, no disrespect intended. So what are some of the things that you notice that are extremely different between, um, that relationship versus, you know, your eventual husband and your husband, Chris? Oh, man, it's literally every difference you could ever think of. Like, um, well, first of all, when I decided to start dating again after I got divorced, like I had it in my brain that I like my faith is of utmost importance to me. And I'm not even going to give someone a chance if they don't share my faith, you know. And again, I I have nothing against people who like don't share my same faith, but I can't have a relationship with someone like that, like a intimate relationship, not like a friendship of course. Um, <clears throat> so honestly, when I first started dating again, like the first question I would 
other than like, hey, how are you to like break the ice would be like, tell me about your faith. Like, because um, if they didn't list themselves as Christian, it's swipe left, you know. Um, sorry, I kind of deviated from your question. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, no, feel free to go off on a tangent. I'm down. Um, so differences. So like, that's, that's a really, really big one. Um, and Eric is a ginger. <laughs> so he's very, not stereotype but he's like very quick to anger about anything and chris is like the most patient man i've ever met in my entire life like to a point where it's kind of annoying sometimes um but it's just like you know like chris jumped into it with emmett and grace already um and he's like so patient and understanding with them as to where with Eric, you know, he just got frustrated like the second like Emmett would cry or something like that. And like um, me and Chris can <clears throat> talk about things without it becoming escalated or, you know, if I'm having like a really bad day, I can just go up to Chris and like ask him to like hug me until I, you know, for as long as I want. Like, it's just, it's, it's crazy how different they are. I, I want, like, I truly did not believe a relationship like this existed. Like I really didn't. I thought people made it up when they said they're like, Oh, like I'm married to my best friend. Like, yeah, okay. (laughs) But I get it now. What kind of a, what kind of a fighter are you when problems do come up or, I mean, in either situation, are you um, pretty hot headed or are you pretty calm and and laid back Um, about it? No. I've always said, like, if I get to a point where I'm physically, like, escalating my voice and yelling, you have really, really upset me. Because it, it, it takes <laughs> a lot to get me to raise, raise my voice. I can talk pretty calmly for quite a while. Um, but I'm definitely the type of person that's like, we have to figure this out now. Like, I want to come up with a solution now. I don't want to give you time to, like, cool down and, like, think about it. Um, which was also a big problem with me and Eric because he was always like, I want some time. I want some space. And I'm like, no, must fix now. So, <laughs> so that was hard, but I, yeah, I'm definitely like, let's figure out the problem. Let's figure out a solution and move on. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like I'm fairly similar. I, I would rather address that. Well, I, I won't say that. I'll say that there are times when I want to not talk about it and move away, but then, I think the majority of times I would rather address it immediately and resolve it, be done with it, kind of move forward. I also, I don't have really long um, extended periods of heavy emotion. So mm-hmm. I might feel intense emotion for a moment once there's an issue, but after that passes within a few minutes, I'm pretty calm and it doesn't really come back, which is good. So I know a lot of people, you know, if they feel an intense emotion, it needs to be there for a while and they need to process it. Um so that can, there are different styles and it's always very interesting finding the one that balances the best with you. So it sounds like you are fortunate enough to have that. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's talk about um, parenthood a little bit. So your first experience with Emmett. So uh, what are some of the things that you remember the most about um, being pregnant and then your experience having him? Oh, man. Um, so with Emmett, I was... I think it was 25 when I found out I was pregnant with him, maybe 24. I don't remember. Um, but I was, I was experiencing morning, AKA all day sickness for up to seven months with Emmett, which was rough. Um, cause I was in school, 
Um, I wasn't in the ITP. When I say ITP, I mean interpreter training program. I wasn't in it yet, but I was like preparing to do that. Um, and I was working at Home Depot in the paint department. So I was, you know, like slugging around paint cans all day on a concrete floor, like while I was pregnant, which I'm not complaining about. I loved Home Depot, <laughs> but um, just another added um, not a stressor, but you know, something else. Um, and then Eric was just not the type of person who was like excited or really like super supportive throughout the pregnancy. So like that was harder as well. And then, um, like with Grace, um, Eric told me he wanted a divorce while I was four months pregnant. So like <laughs> that sucked. Like I just couldn't enjoy that pregnancy at all, you know? Um, and I was like in the ITP, which is a super demanding program. And I, w I wasn't working, but, um, so yeah, that was really hard. But with, um, what kind of parenting stuff are you asking about? I guess cause that's. I, I, yeah, I guess specifically, um, what are some of the differences between the two? So what are some of the things you learned going through it the first time? Like between Emmett and Grace, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Between the two. Um, let me see. So they're both really like independent. They've always been like, no, I want to do it. Like even when they very clearly cannot do the thing they're trying to do. <laughs> um, the biggest difference I remember though, it was like when Emmett was um, a baby and like starting to have solid foods and stuff, he never ever wanted to be spoon fed. That kid never had period baby food a day in his life. So he just, he wasn't about it. He was all about like the puffs and like whatever else he could grab and like feed himself. Grace mm -hmm. to this day will still let you feed her if, <laughs> if you want to, or if you will. And she's about to be five. Um, so that was like the biggest difference I noticed when they were little. Um, other than that, um, I think the biggest thing Emmett signed before he talked, his first sign was milk, um, which is this, by the way. <laughs> um and grace talked first her first word was mama um so that mm. and emmett did sign a lot more as a baby than grace did i think because like i was in the middle of a divorce like you know right after she was born i was not so focused on that um but yeah they're both um well now grace is still like very much the whole like i'm a princess you must kick everywhere <laughs> i'm like baby me emmett's like I'm this big kid and he's into wrestling now. So he thinks he's like the strongest kid in the whole world. <laughs> so it's, it's funny. Like the differences there where Emmett's like super independent. Like I want to do all the things in grace. It's like, I'm a princess, you know? <laughs> yeah. I've spent a little bit of time with them and they're, they're very interesting. Very both sweet kids. Um, very uh, emotive, but I do notice that Emmett's a lot more expressive and sort of, wearing his feelings on his sleeves and grace is a lot more like bundled up and like work to understand what I'm feeling kind of. <laughs> yeah. Grace does take a little more work. She'll, she'll open up after a little while, but she is a little more closed off at first than I'm at. Which one would you say is more like you? Grace. <laughs> <laughs> so it takes a little work to, to get everything out. From you. Yeah, like uh, from the divorce, I did learn to be like really independent, which is something I, I really didn't have before. So I am kind of thankful for that in that aspect. But I'm definitely like, at least now with Chris, I'm like, you have turned me into a spoiled princess. So 
<laughs> I, I can relate on that aspect. Are you um, are you more extroverted or introverted? Oh, introverted for sure, for sure. You much rather be like in a little cave, kind of away from people. Yeah, like I work full time at home, and I love it. <laughs> like my coworkers are great, but I don't want to go into the office five days a week. Perfectly <laughs> fine messaging them on Teams all day. That's fine with me. Yeah, same. Um, I I've been at home since COVID really kind of started because our with ORC they were so worried about the repercussions of socializing right when the pandemic kind of ramped up that they kind of sent people home immediately mm-hmm. and they were like you know we don't want anybody in the offices if you have to be in vaxxed, mask everything like super strict and tight about it so and it was it was a, not a bad experience for me like i understand obviously from a, a large uh, macro kind of perspective covid was a horrible experience for people but for me personally it wasn't that bad because going home to work from home was really nice um you know not having the commute being able to be rested and sort of my as an introvert my energy comes from being alone and not interacting with that many people so um i didn't notice very much with the pandemic it was kind of just the same for mm-hmm. me because i i didn't get out very much anyway um and then there were a lot of other benefits just not putting mileage on my car and other small things that kind of adds up yeah and like with that like i i work for a call center so i literally just talk to people all day so by the end of my shift i'm like i don't want to so i don't want to socialize with anyone i don't want to do anything (laughs) (laughs) so that's that's uh it definitely plays into the whole introvert part thing how do you i mean this is something that's kind of similar for me because when i was doing help desk i was on the phone literally all day i was just talking to people while i was fixing their technical issues so um how do you feel about that just being constantly in connected to someone by voice <laughs> um so i've been at this job for four and a half years now so i i have a pretty good understanding of what i'm doing so i think that's better now because i can like it's very rare that I'm like thrown for a loop, you know, like crap, I don't know what happened with this uh, policy, you know, but, um, so I feel like most of the time it's, it's pretty okay. Of course, every once in a while you'll get like your escalated callers that no matter what you do, they're still upset, but I'm not a supervisor. So thankfully I can be like, okay, you want to, (laughs) you want to talk to a supervisor now? Here you go. Um, so I that's honestly like the hardest part for me because when I do get someone that's like just it's not even if they're up if they're upset because we messed up like I empathize with that like that's okay I get it we messed up let's fix it I will help you get there but it's just those people that call in that are just like jerks for no reason at all that just like get under my skin and ruin my day so that's really Mm -hmm. hard for me to like disconnect when it's like people like that but other than that overall like, I'm not complaining. I do. I like my job. I, I work for a great company, so I have no complaints there. But it's just, I wish people would be nice. Like, why is it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was, I think Help Desk was really hard because, mainly because not only am I trying to fix <laughs> something that's wrong on the computer, but while I'm fixing it, I also have to be talking to the person. Mm-hmm. So if they're irate or just extremely upset about whatever's going on, I'm kind of trying to manage their emotion and their what they're 
kind of saying to me while trying to figure out what's wrong with the computer. Yeah. Um, and that's a lot. That's a lot to manage from nine to five. And then I felt like until help desk was done, I felt like I would kind of finish at the end of the day and just be exhausted yeah. and just kind of want to shut everything off for a little bit. Yeah, for sure. For like a, about a three month period, I was working four 10 hour shifts a week. So I was just dealing with that for like 10 hours a day instead of eight. And that was exhausting. I don't know our shift again. So what are what are some of your hobbies when you're not uh recuperating from all the exhaustive conversations? What do you like to do? I feel like I get asked this a lot and I literally never know how to answer. <laughs> um <laughs> so I don't to be honest, I don't do much. I like I hang out with Chris if if we have the kids, you know, hang out with them. Um I was into Pokemon Go for quite a while, which I do still play it. But then I recently there's I discovered there's a, a The Office game like <laughs> for my phone. Um, so that's currently what I've been into. Um, I I don't like read or anything, but Chris and I do watch a lot of The Office, um, so we do that. But we also recently, or I just turned it on. Um, I've only seen Parks and Rec through one time, and I was like, I want to watch it again. So I turned that back on, and I'm like, this is pretty great. Might have to watch this some more. Um, so I would say that's kind of what we do to unwind is, like, we watch shows, and I really like Schitt's Creek as well. I don't really remember how many times I've seen that. But, yeah, I would say mostly just watching shows and playing dumb games on my phone. <laughs> and then the occasional, like, Nerf gun fight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we haven't done that like since we moved to this house but we do have a lot of nerf guns by we i mean like we share them between like the kids and we have i kid you not a box of a thousand bullets so once it warms up we'll definitely like have to have a, a nerf gun we're outside now that we have room for it and there's also hamilton oh <laughs> hamilton i haven't watched hamilton since last year i was just saying to chris like I need to rewatch it. I listen to it a lot, though. So, yeah, we. I, I guess it kind of, and I didn't expect it to happen, but it kind of at some point got old. Um, not old, but like we've oh. Catherine seen it so many times <laughs> that she, I think she finally kind of put it aside for a bit. And um, and I mean, I've watched it. I mean, I probably watched it half a dozen times, and I listened to a couple songs here and there, but not as big of a fan. But I definitely appreciate for what it is. Um, I did really like Tick, Tick, Boom. I thought that one was really good. So some of Lynn's other projects, I like just as much. I um, I I have heard of Tick, Tick, Boom. I haven't seen it yet. Don't hate me, Lynn. Um, <laughs> of course, um, the kids love Encanto, which Lynn wrote all the music for. And mm -hmm. um, Chris wanted to watch Moana recently because he hasn't seen it. And I'm like, of course, it's good. Like, Lynn wrote the music for that, too. Um but yeah, I, I've seen Hamilton, I don't even know how many times. I literally watched it every single night for at least like three months straight. So wow. I've probably seen it upwards of a hundred times and I, I will never tire of it. <laughs> You've got every line memorized. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And you guys haven't seen it and like performed yet though, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> It's got to be like a big ticket item, like a Christmas thing. Yeah. Chris was going to buy me tickets like in 2021 for my birthday or something. Um, but at that time, we we're also planning our wedding. And I was like, mm, 
Well, Hamilton will come back on tour. Like, let's pay for this wedding first, and then we'll circle back to that someday. And it's it's weird, too, because seeing it in person is so different from watching the original cast. Um, I noticed that was one thing I noticed about it, just seeing the performance, because obviously the characters, for me, really, I, I associate the character with the original cast and the Disney Plus special the first time I saw it. Um, and I know those voices so well, because I'm really... Uh, I'm really an auditory learner. Like I, I hear things more so than I see or touch them. And I learn a lot better that way. Um, but for example, I thought the Skylar sisters that I saw in person were better than the original cast. Uh -huh. But for all of the other roles, I wasn't a fan. Like I didn't like Aaron Burr's, uh, the actor who performed. And then I didn't like uh, the guy who played Alexander very much. Oh my goodness. I know that would be a, that would be a worry of mine that I wouldn't like it. Like, cause it's not the original Broadway cast and then it would ruin it for me. And I would be really upset. <laughs> but if, yeah. If at some point they ever threw like the original cast back together, I would save up my money to see that. <laughs> I feel like you'd be paying a grand at least per ticket, but I mean, you might be able to see. Oh it. yeah, you definitely would for like really terrible seats, but yeah, you could say no. It's it's cool though, and, and that's the nice thing about the theater too is there are um, options where people can see shows and not spend a ton of money. Obviously, we're not talking about Hamilton, but there are shows that are sort of up and coming and shows that have been around a while. And um, just the performance aspect of it is really special. You know, you get something that you can't get from hearing it on Spotify. Yeah. So shows are cool. Shows are very nice. It's not something that I thought I would like before, but once I was dragged to a couple, I started getting more into it. Yeah, I, I really do like enjoy theater a lot, but it's just, you know, it can be expensive. So I haven't mm -hmm. been to too many shows, but I do enjoy them a lot. And where did um, ASL come in? So how is that significant in, in sort of your experience with learning it? So this is really cliche, but it's the truth. So in like 2013, it must have been, um, I started watching Switched at Birth, which if you don't know, it's a show with a lot of deaf, deaf actors in it. Um, so they used ASL like quite a bit. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Like, I'd like to learn that. And I was talking to Catherine about it. She's like, yeah, me too. So we started, and this was a point when Catherine and I had a good relationship, you know. Um, so we started the whole, like, trying to teach ourselves thing, which was a terrible idea. Because we learned everything wrong. <laughs> like, we learned, like, the English um, signs for it. And, like, ASL doesn't use English word order, nor does it use, like, every single word. It's more concepts and phrases versus, you know, words. So we learned everything wrong. So when I started taking, like, formal classes in 2014, I was like, oh, my gosh. I have to relearn everything because I just did it wrong. Um, but, yeah, I mostly just started taking classes because I wanted to learn it. And then the, um, like, school I was going to, they have a... A really good interpreter training program and I was like well I guess that's what I'm doing now you know so I just continued with that and uh, graduated in 2018 with well I was dual enrolled for my last year so I graduated with a bachelor's and an associates in American Sign Language Interpreting. <laughs> Well, that's fun. And I mean, I've seen you using it in person sometimes. I mean, I know that you and Catherine communicate that way. It's funny because I made a point at one point that I wanted to learn as much as I could just to be able to kind of 
have conversational interactions with it. So I got a few books and I learned a few phrases and watched a little bit on YouTube. And I started showing some of the words to Catherine and she started correcting me. She's like, no, that's wrong. And so I didn't understand the regional part of ASL at the time, the different places, you know, they have totally different signs, totally different context. Um, So I kind of had to start over and rethink because, you know, obviously if I use it somewhere that they understand the signs to be different, it would just not work or not translate very well. There definitely are like, just like a spoken language, like there's, accents if you will um so there's definitely like if i were to go down to like see you guys and happen to meet like a deaf person there i'm sure there's signs i'd be like oh i don't know what the heck that is i've never seen that or there's like regional signs like there's ones that are local because i'm in the lansing michigan area there's ones that are local to lansing you know which can be said true about anywhere so yeah, it's beautiful though. It's and it's super. I mean, it's super important in the workforce. It's important to you know people who are deaf, and um, it is it is like learning a whole entirely new language, which at our age is tough. You know, yeah. whenever you're an adult, it's so much harder to learn something like that versus if you were <laughs> five or six, you could probably pick it up instantly. Oh yeah, definitely. So I wanted to save the best for last. So let's talk about Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I know you're excited. So uh, I'm, I'm curious about first date, first impressions. Like what, what was your initial <laughs> feeling about Christopher? Oh, man. Okay. So we, our first date was in the heart of COVID. Like everything was closed. Restaurants were closed. Like fast food restaurants were closed. And it was winter in freaking Michigan. So you couldn't go outside. <laughs> you couldn't like go to a park and like do anything, you know? So we have this store up here called Horrocks, which I hope Catherine took you to when you came up here. Because if not, you have to go. Horrocks <laughs> <laughs> um, is like the greatest store in the entire world. It's huge. And it has like, I kid you not, every like fruit and vegetable you could ever want. They have like a whole bar where you can go like buy beer and wine to like drink while you're shopping, which I'm not a drinker. So I don't do that. But <laughs> excuse me. Um, they just have everything. I love that store. And they have a gelato bar, and you can buy, like, really fancy cupcakes and stuff. Um, and they have a nursery if you're into that sort of thing. Not me, because I kill plants. But <laughs> so I was like, you know what? Like, let's go to Horrocks. Like, Horrocks is pretty cool. We could go to the gelato. And they have an actual bar there, too. Um, so we went there, and we went to the gelato bar, got some gelato. And then at that point in time, you couldn't sit inside you had to go outside but they had like big propane heater things so we were trying to go to one of those and then the one we were the only one available like we were going to wasn't working so we were like trying to get an employee to fix it or exchange the propane tank and you know it's weird it's like your first day and um so like my first impression was like wow he's pretty tall (laughs) He is a tall guy for context. I've I've met Christopher a couple of times. He's he's very tall. Yeah. So for context, I am five two. Chris is six two. So he's got a good foot on me. <laughs> um, but anyway, so we just went outside, like under the propane thing, after it finally got fixed, and we were just kind of talking about like basic stuff, which we had been. Um, we met on Bumble. So we were messaging through Bumble for like two months prior to like actually meeting. So we had like a baseline to kind of go off of, but, um, you know, we were there for 
I don't know, maybe an hour, two hours. I really don't know. But at the end of it, I was like, okay, like that wasn't terrible. You know, I would, I would go on a second date. Um, so we continued talking and our second date was watching Hamilton (laughs) because there's nothing else to do. You know, we couldn't do anything. Um, so he came over and watched Hamilton and don't you worry, like I had my pistol like hidden in the couch. He had no idea. So I was prepared, like if he was <laughs> if he had bad intentions. But um yeah, that's that's how Jane C came to be from the start. It's it's very fascinating that, you know, you had such a tumultuous experience and then this experience just kind of flowed easily, you know, it was just super natural, super straightforward and you i mean it looks sounds like you hesitated just for a minute about maybe second date maybe not but then once you got through it then you were kind of full speed ahead yeah i was kind of like i don't have a reason to not go on a second one like i didn't see any red flags and he didn't make me feel like weird or creeped out or anything so i was like why not you know Mm -hmm. and what was the what was the moment that you felt like you know, this would be like a life partner or someone that you wanted to have around for a long time. Do you remember specifically? So I definitely remember after date three, which I fully, I don't fully remember what we did. I know he like came to my house. We probably just, I think we made tacos. Um, Cause again, winter in Michigan, there's nothing to do. Um, but after day three, I was like, I, okay. I would be pretty upset at this point. Like if I never <laughs> got to speak to him again. <laughs> Um, so our first date was November 23rd, 2020. We've officially started dating December 8th, 2020. And then I would say by Christmas that year, I was like, I was hooked. I was like, I would be devastated at this point if we broke up. And I I went to go visit Catherine that year, um, in North Carolina. And I was like, and you know, our relationship was really new and I was telling her about it and she's like, Jackie, like, don't do what you did with Eric. Like move too fast. It's like, (laughs) Catherine, I'm not going to get married in five months. Okay. Like calm down. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I, I will admit like I was hooked pretty quickly, but I'm also, let's see, I was, yeah, I was 30 at the time. So, um, you know, I was 10 years wiser. I knew that, you know, we had to take the time to like truly get to know each other and I wasn't going to jump in to anything. So there was no like worry of that <laughs> happening again. And it all worked out and now you're married and JNC exists. Yeah, exactly. Here we are. Um, so having been divorced, <laughs> having experienced your parents' divorce, having children and and getting remarried how would you define love or what you your conception of what love is that's always such a tough question but i guess for me and and this is like human form this is not like godly love because that's different but for me like true love is um love is a choice like you have to choose to love someone and they have to choose to love you because of course there's things about christopher that you know, I don't like, or I find annoying or whatever. And same can be said about him to me, but you have to choose to love that person anyway. So my perception is like, you, you will always pick them. Like no matter what life throws at you, like every single marriage is going to experience like ups and downs. And you have to know that that's going to be your person to be there to support you through anything and everything you go through. And you have to understand 
like even if you don't agree like you can move past it um in my mind like divorce isn't an option like i even said that when i married eric but you know <laughs> um so like to me it's you have to, to i don't know how to better word that other than you have to choose them every single time i don't know if that makes yeah i hope so <laughs> i think i think my understanding i mean it, it's kind of hard because i also had trouble with having an example of like good romantic love like my parents don't have that kind of romantic love and never did. So I didn't have an example. So I really do associate it a lot with the biblical yeah. model, unconditional sacrificial love. And I think too, just as Christians, it's kind of natural to kind of model what we want after that anyway, just because we're so used to depending on that so heavily and having so much hope in that. Um, but I think it is, you know, one day when that person's 60 or 70 years old and they don't look the way they did when you met them, like, what is it that you, care about? Is it the ability to have unconditional, now I'm never going to turn away from you kind of relationship, or is it more of a superficial, um, similar interest and in hobbies, attractive kind of thing? So um, it, I, for me, like I said, it's always been just the model of that biblical, unconditional, sacrificial love. So so I wanted to ask about, you know, the two of you are, are trying to build a family together and you have Emmett and Grace, but you want to add to your family and have children together. So um, what would you like to share about that experience? Yeah. So um, as I previously mentioned, like Chris and I got married in July of last year and I have two um, prior children from my marriage with Eric. Um, and like right away, like once we were like serious, like me and Chris are talking about like having more kids because like before like getting into it I wasn't sure if I wanted anymore like I was open to it but I wasn't set either way um and you know like he said he would like to try and have some biological kids of his own which don't get me wrong like Chris is freaking amazing with my kids they're definitely like his kids too <clears throat> but so we started initially like joking saying we're gonna have seven kids like including him and Grace so like five more and eventually it just kind of became a real thing and we're like you want five more kids. <laughs> so, but mind you, I'm 32. Okay. So I'm not trying to have kids past 40 because <laughs> you know, I mean, I already feel like my body's against me in my thirties. It's just going to get worse, you know? Um, so we started trying for kids like right away, like after we got married. Um, and then we did fall pregnant in we found out we were pregnant on September 24th of 2022. And so obviously like we're super like ecstatic, like this is awesome. Um, and then only to find out we lost the baby five days later. Um, so that it was honestly devastating. It was really difficult. Um, and like at that time I was four weeks and six days. So like the baby was the size of a poppy seed. So there was nothing for us to even like really see to kind of like get closure or anything. Um, and we couldn't run any genetic testing because the baby was like too tiny and we wouldn't be able to tell what was the baby like when I passed them. Um, <clears throat> but I just kind of, or we kind of like felt that it was a girl. So we decided to name her Poppy because she was the size of a poppy seed. So Poppy May is her name. Um, but we were still like optimistic. We're like, okay, you know, let's try again. The doctor gave us the go ahead. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So then we found out we were pregnant again 
uh, two days after my birthday, which was actually now I think about it was the two year anniversary of our first date. Um, hmm. So November 23rd, we found out we were pregnant again. So that time was a little different because we were both excited and I was personally terrified because like it was so hard, like losing Poppy. I just didn't want to experience that again. Um, so like with my history, like I called the OB right away and she's like, okay, we're going to monitor your levels and everything. And those were looking good. Like, um, I had low progesterone when I was um, pregnant with Poppy and like, it was, it looked great this time around. So I was like, okay, that's good. And excuse me, I was starting to have like the, the typical pregnancy symptoms, like morning sickness, bloating, fatigue, like all of it. So I was like, this is good. This is how I felt with like Emmett and Grace, you know? Um, so still monitoring everything. Chris and I went in for our first like uh, viability scan when I was six weeks and, excuse me, six weeks and five days, which was the baby was too small to hear a heartbeat, but they could see the baby. So we confirmed that there was a baby in there. I didn't have a, excuse me, a blighted ovum or anything. So that was great. And then we had a, a follow-up appointment for two weeks after that where we should have been able to hear the heartbeat and like determine how much the baby had grown and all that. Um, so that was two days after Christmas on December 27th. And when we like went into the ultrasound and everything, I knew right away because the, the ultrasound tech like wasn't showing us the monitor and we weren't hearing a heartbeat and the ultrasound tech will never tell you anything like the doctor will, but I knew. So like we finished that, excuse me, went into the other room and the first words out of the doctor's mouth was, there's no heartbeat. So that sucked a lot. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're hit with that information and then they're like, okay, what do you want to do? You can either pass the baby naturally, which they told us the baby stopped growing like two days after the last appointment. So I didn't have very much faith that my body was like going to try and you know, get rid of the baby on its own, could take the the pill to like try and help um, pass the baby or three, do a, a DNC, which is a, a surgical procedure. So I was like, I don't want to do that. Like I'll take the pill. And that was extremely traumatic. It was, it was pain, like really painful because I was in labor pains basically Um, and, you know, passing a lot of really big clots and stuff. And we were trying to look for the baby because we wanted to send them off for genetic testing and all that. After all that, I didn't pass the baby. So like I had to go get a DNC anyway, which was about two weeks after that. Um, so it was just, it, it felt like a lot because like, I felt like every time I could try and, you know, move ahead a little bit, I got set back. Um, so the DNC went fine and everything, um, and then we got the re- genetic results back about a week after, and we found out that this one was for sure a boy, um, so we named him Daniel Thomas. Um, so that's been, it's been hard, because it's like, we still want babies of our own, but, like, with me and Chris, you know, but it's so hard, because, like, the thought of going through another loss again is... I can't even describe it. Like it's, it's so incredibly difficult and it's so hard to try and explain to someone who hasn't been through it, but it's just like, you always wonder like your whole pregnancy, you're going to be like, okay, is today the day where I'm going to, you know, find blood or I'm going to start cramping or whatever. So it's just, 
it's hard. So we're kind of just trying to take it day by day. Right now we're getting like some testing done on both of us to see if we're genetic carriers for anything that could affect a potential future pregnancy. Um, and Daniel did have trisomy 16, um, which the doctor said there's only a 1% chance of that happening again. But if one of us is a genetic carrier for something else, it could lead to another loss and we don't want that. Um, so right now we're just kind of, just kind of playing it by ear, like waiting on those results and like seeing and praying about it and like talking to other people about it to try and see like what our best course of action is. Cause you know, maybe, maybe we're not meant to have any more like living kids who knows, but. That's yeah, hard. it's it's really tough because you, you know, you have to deal with that fear of what if it happens again. And that's kind of that's I mean, I can't understand that. Right. Because I haven't experienced that. But I imagine that you as much as you want another. Do you want another more than you don't want to experience that loss a third time? So it's it's kind of finding that balance. And yeah. I think what you said about talking to other people is a really good path because other people who have gone through it can kind of share what they did or, or what they chose to do. And it might give you some clarity on the best next steps. Um, so, and obviously prayerful, prayerful deliberation and, and trying to have like that discernment about the best thing to do is obviously really helpful as well. Um, it also gives you that sense of peace and comfort. So, and that's really hard though, you know, having to figure out what the next step is going to look like and, Obviously, it's extremely brave if you decide to try again, but you want to be as educated as possible beforehand and things like that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely been a journey, but I'm I'm at least really thankful that like I have Chris by my side. He's been like amazingly <clears throat> supportive and, and everything. So I I can't complain as far as like a partner goes. So I'm, I'm very thankful I have him at least. Yeah, we have that discussion and, and it may come across extremely insensitive to listeners or viewers, but we've talked about before somewhat jokingly, somewhat seriously, you know, if, if there were a situation where I had to choose between Catherine and an unborn child, you know, that kind of situation, what would I do? And, you know, unapologetically, I would pick Catherine 10 times out of 10 because that's my partner and I can go through a lot of loss and a lot of pain and a lot of hurt, but that would be the hardest loss. So, you know, that's those kind of conversations are important, though. People have to do that stuff because once you get married and you start building a family, those situations happen. So, yeah, it's just a matter of being prepared and educated <laughs> on what to do. Right. Yeah. Stuff. Well, I'm glad that you have learned a lot from your experiences. Obviously, you've grown as a person quite a bit through all of that loss and pain and um, and difficulty. So clearly you're here and, um, I'm sure you feel like, you know, a lot more about yourself than you did 10 years ago. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so before we wrap, um, what I'd like to do with my guests, I'm sure you're already prepared. Uh, I have a series of 10 questions. Um, they've been, they were sort of inspired by a show from the nineties inside the actor studio, but if you're down, it's a nice way to come up for air and lighten the <laughs> heaviness of the conversation. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. All right, let's do it. Um, I'm extremely curious to what you're going to come up with here. Yeah. So, uh, number one, what is your favorite word? Fabulous. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What is what is your least favorite word? So I have a couple. <laughs> I really hate the word penetrate. I feel like there's 
great use for it. I hate it. Oh, it's cringy. I hate it. Uh, the other one, I, I there's two more that I will refuse to say. They're very derogatory, I think. One one starts with a P, and it's used to describe female anatomy. The other one is described okay. for the same thing, but it's a C word. I hate right. them. If anyone ever says them for any reason, it's like instant rage. Like, I hate those <laughs> words. I hate them. That's very interesting. Um, what excites you? What excites me? Hmm. You're so chill and mellow. What gets you like really hyped? Um, it makes me really happy when like deaf people don't have to work hard for like accommodations. Like there's just like you go somewhere and there's an interpreter at the event. Like they don't have to request it. It's just there. Or like videos or closed captions. Like it makes me or anyone, you know, it equal accessibility i will say for like anyone even like blind people or like wheelchair users like that makes me really happy and excited awesome yeah i mean i agree i think at this point at least in 2023 the world should have caught up you know and figured out how to accommodate people with disability and things um what upsets you <laughs> there's a lot of things um <laughs> I should have thought about this better. What upsets me? Um, people, I guess, who feel like they're better than everyone else. You know, like they feel like the world owes them something. Like, I don't, yeah, stuck up people. I don't like. Entitlement. Yeah. <laughs> um, what sound or noise do you love? Um, kids laughter, like especially my kids laughter mm. is super great. Sort of an aside, but I think you may be one of the few guests who it's relevant to. Uh, one thing my mom said when I was little was that even if we were separate, if we were in the kind of near vicinity of each other, she could always identify my voice specifically. Oh. Is that true for you? Um, for like Emmett and Grace, you mean? Yeah. I think so. Um, it's it's harder when they're they're smaller because their words aren't like fully formed anyway. Um but I, I could tell Emmett's voice out of a crowd for sure. Grace, probably, but she's still like, she can form her words, but she still sounds like a lot of other four-year-olds, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, what sound or noise do you hate? Oh my gosh. I hate, hate, hate the sound of pets licking themselves. It's so gross. <laughs> I hate it. Like there was one time I was at my friend's house and she had a dog and like she was sitting in the chair and their dog was laying next to her and he was just licking her hand and this whole time i'm like internally dying because we're like talking for like 10 minutes I'm like, this dog is licking your hand and i'm gonna lose it but i can't say anything because it's like my friend's house oh my gosh i hate that sound cats dogs hate it now that i think about that it I mean, almost like, kind of sounds like um like macking on gum it's very similar it's like a kind of like a slapping sound it's very irritating oh, it's so bad or stupid smoke detectors when people have their smoke detectors going off when i'm like on a phone call i'm like i literally cannot concentrate <laughs> please stop um are you maybe you don't know do you have uh misophonia i don't know what that means so like when someone's eating the noises that they make when they eat does that um, bother you not so much not unless they're being like really like they're chewing with their mouth open and like being a you know really obnoxious about it but in general no hmm Okay. Uh, what motivates you to act every day when you wake up? Mm, I mean, I guess like the really unfair, easy answer would be to say like my kids, but um, 
like God put me on this earth for a reason. Like I got to figure out what that reason is and go after it, you know? I think both answers are very acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> um, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I think the really easy, obvious answer would be like an interpreter. <laughs> but um, like my absolute dream job would be like to be an interpreter at one of the Titanic museums because I also oh, really, yeah. really love Titanic, like both the movie and like the story of the of the actual ship. Mm-hmm. Um, or I would love to be a theatrical interpreter because um, I, I really enjoy theater and that would be so, so fun. I would like that a lot. <laughs> um, what profession would you not like to do? A lawyer. I really hate confrontation. That's like all lawyers do is like confront people with stuff. So it sounds like. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to argue. No. no. <laughs> and last question, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Um, well, it definitely does. So when I get there, I would absolutely love for him to be like, come meet your son and daughter, come meet Poppy and Daniel. And then you have all the others there with you, like the whole family. Yeah, yeah. It's a, <laughs> that's what I'd really want. Well, I appreciate you coming and sharing an hour and talking about your experiences. And it's been a really good conversation. I The kind of the, the setup I have with Kat is like every 10 episodes, I'm going to make her do another one. So maybe I can get you in a rotation like that. Perfect. So we can do other topics. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'll give you the last word, shout yourself out however you want or say whatever you like to say, and then we're all good to go. Hmm. So we haven't like posted on there recently just because, you know, life has given us a lot of lemons lately. But um, Chris and I do have a page. It's just on Facebook. We're not like we're not very good about posting, but it's just it's literally just called JNC. We just do really dumb videos that are entertaining. So <laughs> um, maybe check that out or my other PSA is just like. Be nice to people. Like, it's not (laughs) hard to just communicate what you want and be nice at the same time. Like, don't yell at people. It's unnecessary. (laughs) Well, I can can link everything that you'd like to share, too. So just uh, let me know afterward. But, um, again, I appreciate you. Had a really good conversation. And um, that's it. Perfect. Thanks for having me.